All right, hello, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good time is a flat circle. To everyone listening, thank you for tuning in as always to the Creekcast. This is David here. Going to have a bit of a chat about all things that have been happening in Port Adelaide the last week, uh, which includes our win against the Gold Coast Suns um, and whatever has been happening during the week. And there's a couple of things and, uh, and then get on to uh, a little quick thoughts about our game upcoming tonight um, against the Carlton Footy Club. Uh, so that's it, um, as it's been for the last 13 weeks now. It feels every week um, increases in, in importance and uh, and excitement with Port Adelaide with the um, now 13-game winning streak, lucky number 13. Um, but it also increases the stress. I feel like I feel winning streaks are so, like, I find them stressful. I think I've brought this up before. Because it's just like there's an expectation. You just you don't want to once you're on a streak, um, one that's historic in nature in particular. Uh, you don't want it to. You just you want it. It's like chasing the dragon. Um, you know, from reported notions of what uh, <laughs> using drugs can be like. You know, every hit. Uh, you know, you get you get more and more addicted to it but then every hit's a little less and you just you just need to keep chasing it you know and and um i feel like that with the win streak at the moment it's both exhausting and exciting at the same time um i know when liverpool were going through a season that um, they ended up winning the title anyway but um so you know all's well ends well but they were on a on a run to possibly win the title without losing a game and they finally lost a game and it's just it was and it was equally horrific on the day because it's just like oh god and it was a game that we probably shouldn't have lost um but then afterwards it was just kind of like well i guess we don't have to worry about that anymore and we'll comfortably in the lead in the championship and it was just fine and so i go into this week with a little bit of trepidation um both with carlton finding form and they're fighting for finals and 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 we all know the carlton story that has been uh somewhat defined uh just complete uh, disarray in AFL footy for the uh, 21st century has really been the Colton story, um, and so they're they're desperate. Like this club, you know, it's it's the the storylines with Voss, it's the storylines with the club itself, the culture, their identity, all those things. They were they've been really been questioned quite hard through that middle season period where they lost six or seven in a row, and now they've won three in a row. They're fighting for they're in a real mix with a few other clubs. They're um, fighting for those bottom bottom of the top eight spots and so they've got everything to play for here and uh and you know playing away against them they're finding form again guys like Cripps and Walsh and co are finding form um and they got some tall timber in the forward lines which worries me often yet every time I say it's a worry such as going up against Geelong a few weeks ago or whatever we seem to handle it okay so I can't. I've got to trust in the system and all that stuff. But anyway, we'll get into that. I might. Uh, we'll, this has been a rambly intro, um, as per usual, trademark. Um, but uh, we'll get into talking. Maybe we'll chat about the uh, Gold Coast result first, and then we'll get into the other matters of the week and finish up with Carlton. Alrighty. So it was a fantastic win against the Gold Coast Suns uh, on the weekend. The a Suns team that came into the game with. As I was just talking about in the intro, the questions about Carlton, um, it really the Gold Coast kind of are the example of a new club that is in disarray. Carlton are a historic club in disarray. Gold Coast have been in disarray since they came into the competition, really. 
for a variety of reasons. They've had their brief moments, um, you know, Ablett winning a Brownlow and all that stuff. Um, but beyond that, they've really been um, just just not not with it. And they're one of those clubs that was kind of probably in the mix. I think this loss probably puts them back just a little bit compared to the teams that are in a bit more form and fighting for those top eight spots. But they were they were trying to fight for to stay within that conversation. And uh, and with Took Miller coming back into the side, all the questions asked about Stuart Jew, who has since sub- subsequently been sacked. Um, so thoughts out for Stewie, because you know we all love him at Port, and he was a big part of our Premiership win in two thousand and four. And um, probably really as a club, they just they're not that things aren't together off the field, whether it be coach or uh, not coaching, but um, just play it like just get building a solid um, foundation for you know a club to build from as far as player retention goes and it finally feels like they might actually be slowly getting there I mean I know they lost Rankin in the offseason and, and players like that but they just slowly feel you know there's a few players that are signed on um, they got guys like Maddie, Maddie Rowell and took Miller there and you know it just felt like they're finally getting into some kind of place of you know in the next few years they might be able to make a sustained run at making finals and then he gets gets the sack, but you know, five years in, um, I know it's funny speaking from a Ports perspective, as we all know, with our coaching history. But um, generally, that's sometimes the time that it happens. And unfortunately, the Gold Coast Suns haven't particularly shown um, an impetus to stick with, you know, because it seems like he's popular and whatever. But anyway, the game as it was, uh, it, it went the way. I think anyone that listened to my preview last week will know that I. I expected a Gold Coast side that was had a bit of fire in the belly and would come out with some good competitive football, and they did. They really, um, particularly with the fact that we were missing Lysett, it meant that Jared Witts had a bit more free reign in the ruck. Um, I think Hayes played pretty pretty well considering, um, but it was still uh, a little bit more of the hit-out totals that we'd been used to earlier in the season with um, with the Gold Coast dominating, I think, with a plus 20, roughly plus 20 on the hitouts. Um, I'm just going to wipe up real quick. Yeah, plus 22, 49 to 27 on the hitouts. So, um, again, we were able to manage to, in the total clearance battle, we were able to get back to some semblance of evenness. They they, want, they had 40 clearances to 38. So, we actually won it out of the middle pretty well. It was just around the stoppage they wanted a bit more. But overall... Despite the hit-out discrepancy, as has been the story this year with um, Port Adelaide, we've we've made it up in the clearances a little bit. But over the past few weeks, with Lysett playing better, we'd actually been doing a lot better. We know the hit-outs were a lot more even, and then that had been helping our clearance numbers even more. But um, overall, it wasn't a major issue. But considering, um, uh, particularly in that first half, when uh, Wits and the, and, the, and the they were getting some pretty good run out of the middle as well, I think a lot of those clearances that we had. Uh, were made up towards the end of the second quarter and uh, into the third, that monster of a third quarter as well. So, you know, in that first half, they were really winning the clearances. They were winning the hitouts. Um, their contested ball was really good. Um, they hunted and, 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 and were moving the ball quite well. And we just quite... And it's not that we weren't quite there. It's just um, the Suns were playing really well. And you could kind of... I wonder if Port... They, they managed the game okay. I, I wasn't super happy with it, and it wasn't good footy. Um, and I was a bit disappointed to go in. But I thought, you know, it's going only a goal down and after it was probably probably a fair reflection of where... Because we played pretty poor in that first half, um, and we still only went in a goal down. The Gold Coast played pretty well. Um, and probably, probably felt a bit maybe like they should have gone in a couple goals up, but... They probably didn't, you know, considering that we, with the talent that we have, 
really doesn't take much of a chance to to move it down. Just a few good passages of play with some of the guys that are in the form they are, like the Rosies and Butters and Co. And and that's that can be the difference. And um, you know, I was really I was really impressed with the Sun. Like Matty Rao was playing really well. I think you know it's funny with Rao, um, him as a player, uh, he's kind of come in. Um, you know, he came in all guns blazing in the first few weeks of his career. Then he gets injured, and you know, I think he was it. Did he get the three Brownlow votes in his first three games or something like that? It was just something ridiculous, and everyone was talking about him as a future. You know, all all of these things, and then just injuries pretty much ruined his first couple of seasons after that. Um, but he's come in and play, playing pretty good footy, and in particular in that first half, he was really really cleaning up. He went, he kind of fell away in the second half a little bit, but he was such, probably one of their best play, if not their best player on the field in that first half. Um, the likes of Took Miller and Noah Anderson and Co really had a you know good games as well, and Jared Witts obviously just monstered in the ruck. I think um, actually let me just have a quick look. I want to see what the fantasy numbers and all that were for Witts because you know ruckman can be hit and miss with fan- oh yeah no yeah hundred fantasy points, forty four hitouts. So he had forty four of their forty nine hitouts. You know it's just just insane. <laughs> so he really did take it, and, and he gave the likes of Raul and Miller some good hands. Um, you know good touches on the ball and. And they were they they were really well worth um, the battle in that first half. Unfortunately, what happens when you come up when you're a team that's not playing well, you've got all that pressure on you. You can have that first half just gut so and stuff like that. Um, a good team playing in the form that Port has been, and it's not like we are, we've I don't think we've played four quarters of good footy at any point this season yet. Um, but we sometimes just need one good quarter of just balls to the wall footy, and that's what we got in that third quarter. And that was one of the best quarters I've put out. I've seen, luckily this year and over the past few years, when this Port side gets on a quarter run like that, they've actually done it reasonably. I wouldn't say often, but it is something we've seen a bit over the past year. Um, last year, even which wasn't a great year, but I remember that third quarter against Geelong last year in a game that we ended up losing, but we came back from four or five goals down and went into the the bright last break with a two-goal lead, and it was an eight-goal quarter against a team that ended up going on and winning the premiership. That was just a fantastic quarter of footy. And, um, you know, for a team that was the team juggernaut that was Geelong last year, it was just showed where we can get to, um, which sometimes is where the frustration comes from when you have a qu- uh, opening half like this against the Suns. But you know it's there. Um, if we didn't see that quarter at all in this game, that would have been more of a worry. But the fact that we went into a qu- the third quarter... Um, and absolutely, it's just monster. Nine goals, two... To, uh, so, incredibly accurate as well, by the way. And some just amazing goals in there. I mean, that rosy, that rosy goal is... Um, and we've got a couple of goal of the year contenders now. Like, really solid ones. Because that's just... And then, you know, Port Adelaide social media just was on that rosy goal for a moment. And they released a video after like a couple of days into the week, I think like Monday or Tuesday of Rosie at open training, like or open training, training last, last week, um, practicing that kind of stuff. And we know they practice that kind of stuff, but it is funny that they just have that, like the receipts, like, yeah, that wasn't just him just having a pop. Like this is stuff they work at. And that's why it's fun when you see goals like that. And, you know, I, the goal of the year contenders can sometimes be, you know, goal of the year, depending on the year, can either be something like that or it would be, you know, Matt White running down the wing or it would be the, Sam, well, I think Sam Draper won it last year from taking it out of the middle and having a little one-two and then continuing his run and kicking the goal. And they're all fair, um, but sometimes you just got, and, you know, Eddie Betts had some crazy, crazy goals as well. But sometimes you got to reward just these trickery goals as well because a lot of people will say, 
that a goal like that just comes from a you know it's a little bit of it's a little bit arsy. Um, it's not as technically skilled as some some of some of the others that are out there. Um, and I you could argue that the Dan Houston goal degree of difficulty to win the game against Essendon was more difficult, and I would say so too. You know the pressure of the moment, the length, distance the technical ability to get it on the boot. So if, you know, if I'm going to vote a port player to win goal of the year, I want the Houston one at this point. But saying that, I think the Rosie one is equally... It's You're just arguing nuances of different situations and stuff like that, you know? Um, and here I am rambling again. Um, but, you know, it's the skill that it involved in that goal and it's the way he plants it on the boot and the fact that it kind of just goes on a string as well. Like, it's just the perfect spin on the ball... It's laid on the ground, so it's not getting the um, it's not getting the typical AFL ball, you know, for every three meters taking a little bit of a weird bobble. It just lasers through, um, and to get that kind of connection on the ball, and to get that kind of skid on a ball on an AFL footy at that angle from that distance as well, because there's a fair fair amount of distance involved too, which is, is always ups the degree of difficulty on a, on a goal scoring opportunity such as this. Um, is incredible because you know a lot of the guys they will try to actually put it on the boot and get the bend on the ball as it's going through on the on the axis they they try to you know use the bounce of the ball on the axis of the ball to slowly let it dribble it through and it goes on an angle but this one just went on a string an absolute fucking laser and um yeah it's fun to be arguing which port goal should be goal of the year i guess so that's a fun thing to be arguing but um i would still say i think if i'm going to make a pick the Dan Houston one is the number one goal just just for the moment and all those things. I think there's a degree of difficulty thing in the pressure of a moment that should be taken into account. But the Rosie one's very close, which is pretty cool. And then it's the Sam Palpepper one from a few weeks back as well. So, fuck, we've got a handful, uh, which is a good place to be in um, just talking the just random things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, such a goal of the year, but it's fun to talk about as a fan. All right, I had to take a quick break there as I had a lunch delivery come in. So, um, But back again, yes, already um, waxed as lyrical as I can get about the Rosie goal, I think. Um, just, I mean, besides that, his entire the entirety of his game was just, I think he got the 10 coaches' votes in this one. Um, just an incredible, incredible performance, uh, all-around performance that kind of like, you know, he was bursting through the center, getting the clearances, getting the... Um, getting the the balls inside 50, um, all those things that we love from his midfield play. But then he was um, quite dangerous around the goal as well. He had that nice, um, I think it was a Jed McEntee feed out of a little bit of traffic there in the kind of 30 meter out from goal range. And he kind of just <clears throat> uh, turned around on, on the angle and uh, and uh, on the snap from about 35, 40 out and just snapped it truly. And that's one of the things that you've just noticed when guys get better and better is the assuredness in those situations as well. Because it's not like they're not going to blaze away here and there, but more often it's he, Rosie himself has just become more trustworthy um, with the ball anywhere on the field because he just there's an assuredness in his game. He trusts his own game. He's got the confidence that he is now one of the lead dogs on this team. And that's kind of showing in how he plays. It's all, you know, I've, I, there's a lot of things I say time and time again. Um, and I say, I say this time and time again, time and time again. Um, time is a flat circle. Uh, but there's so much of footy and, and any sport is all between the years. And you see the raw talent of these guys come in, like your Rosies and Butters, their first few years, they're a bit up and down. You see when they're at their best, when the game's going their way, uh, they 
play really well. You know, Rosie's first game, I think. I remember tweeting after Rosie's first game. I was like, who was the old number 20? Because it was like, you know, immediately the year after Wingard had left. And I was just like, already Rosie's special. Um, and it was a little bit facetious at the time. But now it's, it really is. Like, Ro- Rosie as a player now is, I think... I mean... This is this is recency bias. I don't want to. Ch- Chad Wingard in his first couple of years at Port Adelaide was a special player as well. You know, he was all Australian twice. I think his first two years, our best and fairest. Like we've got to not forget too much. Like the impact of some of the guys in the past, even if it didn't end as well as we would have hoped, um, and his career certainly hasn't been anywhere near as good since. Um, but Rosie, I mean, considering he's playing this role in a team um, that is competing at such a level and playing at such a level the way it is. Um, you know, I think his his best certainly is better than what I think Wingard ever because Wingard never truly got that midfield role. Like he, we tried, but you know, he just never played to this level in the team as a leader because you know back then it was you know your Bokes and all those guys were still the true leaders of the team. But whereas you know Rosie's alongside Butters is you know and in they're just arguing between themselves as to who's the lead, you know, guy on this team right now, and that's. That's a pretty special place to be to have those young guys really taking over the mantle. I mean, yeah, it's just all between the years. It's just they've got they've put their games together now, and now they're trusting in their games, and they're able to not just go with it when it's going Port Adelaide's way. They're able to be part of what changes the tide when it's not going their way. So it's really special to see. And that third quarter was something special from Rosie himself. Um, let's have a quick look at his numbers. He had 28 disposals, 21 of them kicks, which you know a lot of that was again those bursting the lines kind of kicks um, lace out into the Ford 50 or obviously the goals as well um, you know six marks he had uh, four four clearances as well in there as well so just a really all round incredible game from um, Connor and um, you know Rose uh, he, I think he got the 10 coaches votes I think Butter's got two in this one he's fallen back in the coaches votes a bit so they're still right near the top there so you know no, no slouch certainly um, he had 22 disposals 13 kicks 9 handballs he was just a little bit more in and under a bit more in this game and not not the, not the typical game that we've seen him at his best this year but he was what we needed in the game so um, but yeah that third quarter was something special um, really really special I actually wanted to jump back briefly there was one goal in the second quarter I thought exemplified kind of the attitude this Port Adelaide team has got at the moment as well. It was the one, um, it's finished off by Rioli in the square where he kind of has the one-on-one um, and battles out against, uh, I can't think of who the Gold Coast defender was, my apologies, but it's basically, it starts with um, the ball's kind of at halfback and um, Darcy Byrne-Jones just puts a thump and fist on it and gets it about 30 metres forward um, where it's collected and, and ends up with um, in Jeremy Finlayson's hands. And then he turns around and then is able to get a scything kick inside forward 15. It's not just one of those long bombs that kind of goes to the top half of the, the, the or the outer half of the 50. He gets a goal to uh, a really good kick, actually. A long kick um, to Rioli, who's in a one-on-one. The 50 is quite open. I think he's the only player inside the 50 at that point. And so it's quite open. It's a one-on-one. And he gets it perfectly just over the back that Rioli's kind of got the the prime position for the kick with where it's going over the back of the Gold Coast defense. And he's just able to keep on his feet, bring it to ground, and then and then he obviously collects and kicks it, kicks a nice goal. And at a time in the game when it wasn't all going our way, um, that kind of stuff is just the, the stuff that the big team, the, the teams that are playing at the top of the table um, just do. I remember always thinking like Hawthorne just had a way when they were in that period in the mid-2010s there. They just get the ball forward at all costs, where the fit by fit, you know, if the ball's at the ground, then you know, just Sam Mitchell will be running through and just put a boot to it, and and it just ends up forty meters forward, out of nothing. 
And it kind of reminds you what Darcy Byrne Jones did there with that that fist going forward. So it's just little plays like that are just uh, are kind of like those one one percent of little ones that you don't remember a whole lot of, especially in a game like this where you have fucking I forgot about Sam Powell Pepper having a talk from sixty meters out as well, and then obviously Rosie's goal of the year contender. Um, you you forget about those little ones as well. So it, it was just a game punctuated by um, an incredible third quarter um, and a, a vintage performance from uh, Connor Rosie. And then uh, just just incredible goal scoring, um, incredible pressure, and just and certain things that um, that are, are part of what our team is doing well this year. I, I had a look again at the team stats, and um, often when we have a game that we win nicely like this, um, I mean inside fifties we were plus twelve. Probably let them get a few more than we would have would have expected, but um, overall uh, it worked out alright. Um, contested possessions, I think we were plus four. Uh, but the the one that I always look to is the marks inside 50 because we seem to be when we're playing well and that's a real key indicator and we had 19 marks inside 50 to 5 um, so that really kind of says something about just again the, how the defensive structure works I do um, it is sad to see Trent McKenzie go down in the game um, just how we did and, uh, and and that's kind of um, typical of uh, when our defense is stretched uh, when those one-on-ones happen that's when those injuries can happen so it's kind of like when our play, game is working at its best is when the midfield is really covering and not allowing eat those those balls in that require our defenders to really go into those kind of uh, one-on-one uh, potentially injury-causing situations where they're having to charge across. Like, cause, you know, McKenzie was at full speed and kind of crashes into him and, and, and twists the ankle as he's gone down. So, um, you know, and that was in the first half as well. And they were battling against Casbolt. I know that Lear had a bit of trouble against Casbolt as well. And he was really the only one causing us... Um, repeated trouble down there but overall the game plan held up again despite um mckenzie going down and out for a few weeks from looks of things so this will be the a real test i've said a lot uh this year that um the defense is the kind of the one part of the team that worries me a little bit at the moment and uh you know we've lost one of the main mainstays down there so it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes going forward but overall a really good win um and one that i think i predicted i thought we were going to win by about th- i said 30 to 35 points i think we won it by 33 so uh it kind of went the way i expected uh, not that i have any nostradamus said it's just some, sometimes you get lucky with a prediction uh but yeah a good win and uh 13 on the bounce all right, there's been a bit of news in the Port Adelaide um, club land this week. Uh, first bit of good news, uh, which was wonderful to see, was Jed McIntyre's been richly rewarded for um, an incredible year um, in the Port Colours this year with a two-year extension to his contract. Um, a mid-year draft pick back in 2021, I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, yeah, it was 21. I remember having a beer that night and watching the name be called and thinking, well, don't know much about him, but let's see how he goes. And um, he's become an integral part of... Aside this year, incredibly, cruelly underrated outside of Port Adelaide. I think um, watching the game last week, uh, I reckon it was it might have been Dwayne Russell um, mentioned just how important he is. Like he doesn't get any mention of exactly how it is. He doesn't often get a lot of touches, but you just see how he just does some of the ugly work down in the forward line with that that forward line pressure and the way that we keep the ball in there and it's stuff like dishing those handballs out to Connor Rosie to get that snapping goal that he got um, earlier in that game. That kind of stuff, um, and it's just his his chase down on Jeremy Cameron this year was still one of my highlights of the year, um, and then the subsequent finish as well. He's kicked some important goals um, in some big comebacks, such as I think Sydney and a few other games. He's he's popped up with a, a good goal here or there, um, pretty accurate, uh, kicking goals from often from forty or you know forty meters out, um, and you know not 
the toughest to kicks, but you guys still got to be consistent with them. And um, you know, when when we've been need, when we've needed someone in those moments to kick goals, um, is he's often been there. So uh, it's a richly deserved extension and a, and a real a real plus point to the whole mid season draft process. I mean, we're we're seeing the the results this year with Quentin Narkle coming in and, and providing some key key moments as well when he's been called upon and, and he's certainly been incredible at the SNFL level as well. Um, but you know, when he's been called upon at the AFL level he's he's made a real impact and and so, you know, the some people uh, I, I know there's been talk about how to deal with the mid year draft process as far as the guarantees because I think it was the Crows player that got dropped pretty soon after like straight away last year and um, possibly was a bit dirty about that with how he'd been, you know, the things that have been said and, that, and whatever. So there's some of those things, but uh, as far as our experience with it has been, um, it's been really good. I um, mean, even look at, I think it's Will Snelling at Essendon um, came from Port so <laughs> in the mid-year draft process. So it works, you know, not just for us, but, you know, there's, there's been some good stories out of it. And Jed McEntee, um earning that contract extensions, um, a really, really really fun one and um it's really like as i said really deserved he's been uh one of the key key guys on our side that just hasn't left the side um since he's gotten in there really so um i think that's testament considering some of the players that are in and out a little bit it just shows that he's just playing the role that he's expected and, and doing it to absolute aplomb um one of the uh just on the aflw side uh just uh it's um an unfortunate story but it also Nothing serious. Um, uh, it is, uh, you know, it is unfortunate to see a port player um, pulled over for um, drink driving. But um, I did just, I read on the website uh, yesterday that um, Abby Dowrick has been um, reported, uh, the official wording, reported by SA Police for exceeding the prescribed concentration of alcohol while driving. Um, she's had a license suspended uh, pending a court date, I think, as well. Uh, in addition to court imposed charges, you um, has to complete a couple of road safety awareness programs as well as a one-on-one alcohol management education. So I assume that means it wasn't a drastic, crazy amount of alcohol or anything like that. It was. It was I have to just assume again that it was uh, that it was uh, you know maybe just had a couple too many and and got behind the wheel, which is um, still shouldn't be doing it. Um, but we're not talking about uh, hung, drawn, and quartered here or anything like that. It's um, a young person making a mistake and one that you sh- you've got to be careful with because sometimes that mistake can end up a lot worse. Um, she's lucky it didn't. Got pulled over by the police and um, got charged for it. Um, but, you know, Abby's, oh man, what a fantastic year she had last year. And um, she's going to have another fantastic this year this year and, and many years ahead. Um, she was 20 years old and made a bit of a made a bit of a mistake and um, it's unfortunate but the club's club's owned it and put it forward and she's talked to the club and she understands it and all that stuff so that's all that really needs to be said about it but um, it's uh, it, again it's still just one of those things that it's disappointing to see but it just shows that all our, our players at the club are human and um, and sometimes these things happen but uh, yeah it's um, yeah one something to learn from as well and I think that's what we you know the ultimate role of a football club is to help all these people grow as they're a part of the football club as well and that's it's the most important thing here and um and certainly i think the club's one of the best places she can be for that as well and and she's gonna have a good year coming up anyway when we when we fucking get a season by the way um start, starting dates and this is this is another thing to carry on through to is just how ridiculous the aflw is treated at the moment by the afl um they want it to be successful and they want to have the optics of a female women's league um, but they're just they're just dropping the ball so so consistently on how they treat them as far as 
you know, some of the CBA stuff that was happening and then, um, you know, the way that they fucked them over by putting the two two seasons in one year. I mean, they were getting there eventually probably to, you know, move the season um, to being more, um, you know, comparative weather-wise and, and, and just with the, with the AFL men's season as well. But, you know, they didn't do it with much warning. And then, you know, this year it's what... 50 or 60 days out and we don't still don't know what the fixture is yet that's just ridiculous it can't it's 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 treating them like amateurs um and even amateur football gets a fixed rest sooner than that too so um it's really quite um unfortunate and the afl needs to be held to account for it and i think fans need to make uh, be understanding that um if you hear frustrations from some of the aflw players about this stuff don't say oh you're a professional athlete you can deal with it you get paid you know they don't get paid enough still um, comparative to the AFL guys, certainly. And then if you say, well, their, their league needs to get more, you know, the league's not the same. Also, well, the AFL isn't allowed, the AFL's hamstr- um, you know, really hamstrung it by treating it as a second-rate league um, quite transparently, I, I think, at this point. And uh, you've got to kind of give the girls a fair bit of, cut them a fair bit of slack for the frustrations they're dealing with. Um, certainly need to get to an 18-game season or whatever, you know, play every team once and maybe have a couple, you know, maybe they have a rivalry game that happens twice or something like that would be fun. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it, it's frustrating because uh, they deserve a lot better um, than that from the league. And, um, yeah, no, it's it's just a bit of a shit show. So keep an eye on that. I think I encourage everyone to kind of obviously support the girls and all that stuff uh, for sure. But then um, just actually keep it just kind of, keep some awareness on the issues and, and the frustrations they're facing in in trying to be um, professional footballers and build up a f- professional league because they're not going to get to be everyone always goes oh you know the skill level is different it's like well you've got to give them a chance on equal footing and they haven't had that even close yet so um, the fact that they're playing some pretty good footy at times um, you know, it's pretty shit footy in the AFL men's competition uh, pretty regularly as well so that one's never actually really held any water with me Um but it's just, just they've just got to be given an equal chance, and it's not even getting close to that yet. And the AFL's very, very much um, complicit in in that in that realm, in in just in just not allowing that chance at the at the competition to grow to what it can be, um, because they're just being hamstrung by the league itself. Our last bit of news this week that I think I think it's just an interesting story, and and as someone that always encourages people to be culturally aware of you know even if it's not your own cultures just um you know kind of reading and understanding different things um the story of junior rioli going he's obviously missing our game this week we'll get into selections and all that in a moment uh, when we talk about the carlton game but um you know junior's heading back to um his native tiwi lands this week um to complete i guess uh the the grieving the the, the traditional uh, the year of heartbreak um uh, that he's had with his father, um, uh, Senior Rioli, dying, uh, passing away last year. Uh, so that's why he's had the junior name since then. Um, he gets to take his name back after this week, um, but it's not happened yet. So he's still junior at this point, Junior Rioli. Um, but it, it's the story. There's a story um, by Rucci on the uh, on the, the the official site. Um, it's titled Rioli on Grief, Family, Tradition, and Growth, and it just talks about the kind of the the the, the tradition and the and the, what the process has been for him, uh, what he's learned through it, and just and just the fact that this is the kind of their the culture and how they how they do it with the with how they uh, grieve. There's a process to it. They take a year. He's going back for the um, 
goes going back this week for the the, the completion of the year of grieving. Um, they have you know do some da- dancing and and all that kind of stuff. But it's a really great piece to read and just kind of getting under because I didn't know any of this stuff and it was just really interesting. And I, I always encourage people to like you know you don't have to believe in it. You know I'm I'm an atheist. I don't, but I always take an interest in what people are doing and what what holds true to them. And I think particularly as a Port Adelaide fan, you've got it's a sign of respect to be understanding and cognizant of what different people are going through and different you know whether it's race religion creed you know all those kind of things um at least be understanding of it as long as it's not hurting you know my my thing's always been as soon as whatever you think you believe in is hurting someone else actively and it's just you know stuff like you know the and you know anti anything that's anti um equality i think is it it strays away from personal belief because then that's affecting someone else it's just this is just purely their um, beliefs, and and it's um, a very positive cultural thing, and, um, and it gives him something a connection to his land and his people, and and certainly um, I think it's just just a wonderful thing to be able to read and and understand and get an insight into that, um, and you know it's um, good on Junior for opening up about it, and he certainly opens up about a bit about his personal issues I say in quotations um, over the past few years because I still think that um, some fans in the AFL sometimes makes a big, too big a deal about things like that when there is other things that go far worse that get swept under the rug uh, with the AFL but anyway um, it's great to see Junior growing and, and, and continuing to be a handy handy player for us. Um, certainly he had a couple of great goals um, last week in the game against the Gold Coast and um, Junior, Junior being fit um, going forward into September is going to be, and August and August and September is going to be really key uh, for our side going forward. But um, best wishes to him and and the family and in, in their celebrations this weekend as they as they remember uh, Senior Rioli. Alrighty, Carlton this week. Uh, it's a game that I have a bit of trepidation about. Uh, we're going 14 wins in a row. Uh, it'll be, I think, the tenth win in a row at Marvel as well, uh, which is an insane streak in in of itself. Um, but it's one that um, I am. There is a bit of trepidation. We've we've rung the changes, which um, often I talk about the other team first. But often I just got to wrap my head around Port's changes, which you know many of them have been forced. Uh, obviously, Dixon is out. In, I think he's pulled up sore from the week weekend, um, so he's out injured. Nothing serious from what I can tell. But um, you know that's just uh, he. So Dixon's out again. He's just going to be managed all the way through the rest of the season, I think. Um, McKenzie obviously out with that um, twisted ankle against the Suns. It looks like he's got at least two weeks on the sidelines um, before they kind of reevaluate that. Uh, Horn Francis has been managed. He's pulled up a bit sore in the. I think they said back soreness, so uh, probably could have played from the. Uh, if I read managed uh, the way I am, or the way I think it should be read, um, like he could he could probably play, but you know it's not worth. It. You might as well give him a bit of rest if he's he has pulled up with a little bit of a stiff back. Obviously, as I just spoke about, Junior Rioli's out with uh, personal reasons, um, going back for the family family uh, reasons. And then Burton, Hayes, and Narkel have been omitted. Uh, Burton, again, um, is is a bit stiff, I think, but he's been somewhat a victim of his versatility this year and the fact that we've, uh, you know, I think... And, and, and you know, Dylan Williams just being amazing. Um, another one on us. What's he at? 13, 14 games now uh, into his career without a loss. Oh, God, the streaks are stressing me out, as I said at the top. Um, but, you know, Burton's probably been a little bit of a victim of his versatility and then other players kind of coming in. And, and certainly, um, I was surprised to see Burgoyne get the get the call. Uh, I wonder if they're looking for a bit more speed down the back, maybe with the fact that um, 
you know, with Jonas coming in, it's just that Jonas coming in has made them have to kind of uh, shuffle the shuffle the deck a little bit, I guess. If you if you know what I mean, there's, there's, you know, when one player goes out, sometimes it's not doesn't just change. It's not a straight swap, for, uh, you know, like for like swap. You've got to there's a few things you adjust based on the matchups and what you're looking for and what your you know your deck of cards is down the back. So without being a uh, deep X's and O's guys I, I kind of like on the surface kind of get it that there's um it could be some things they're going for whether that's it I'm not sure because um, I would like to see Burton down there myself I think there's a few big calls made in this in these selections that are interesting um, but you know we're riding into a potentially 14th game one in a row uh, if we win this one so um, some of the calls they've made this year have been um, pretty astute um, in hindsight. I know we all, back when Dylan Williams was selected, I think a lot of us went, huh? wait, what? There was a few people that did say, oh, no, I think he's been playing a bit of defense. He might be okay. <laughs> Shout out to those people. I, I didn't pick it. So, um, so yeah, we've got Jace, but so those those are the outs. Um, I think Burton um, and Narkle are both in, the, uh, both in the emergencies. I would expect... Uh, oh, sorry, no, Narkle's not in the emergency, so Burton and Hayes are in the emergencies. It's Burton, Burton, Josh Sinn, and Sam Hayes, and Francis Evan as the emergencies. So um, I, I assume Hayes is in there, possibly, if... Because uh, Lysett's back in. All right, well, let's just run through the ends quickly, and then we'll get back to it. Um, so we've got Burgoyne, um, Dersmer, Jonas, Lord, Lysett, and Mead are all in, and into the side. Great to see Dersmer back in. He's had two good weeks in the, in the sandful for the Maggies, so... He's back in. Jonas is obviously in um, to cover for uh, Mackenzie going out, and it's really you got to wonder if it's it's really kind of last chance saloon stuff for Jonas to stake a claim on his spot and really find some form back because he's going to need if he doesn't if he you know has a couple of subpar weeks and then Mackenzie gets fit again. It's just I can't see Jonas featuring unless unless it's desperate again. So um, interesting. Uh, obviously, I'm rooting for him. I hope he I hope he does well. I, I've always liked uh, Jonas, and um, he's a nice bloke too. So I, I hope hope he has a good game and and plays a good one. And obviously, for our you know fortunes as a team, we want him to play well. Uh, but you know, I I do you know just looking at it objectively, it's a real um, real show it now, or um, you might not get another chance. Kind of places for for Tommy Jonas um, and Jace Burgoyne. I loved his feature at the end, towards the end of last year. He's been in and out again this year, and um, sometimes, as I've said. Sometimes it's hard to stake your claim until you kind of know your defined role. Sometimes, um, but yeah, uh, Ollie Lord in as well, which is um, you know he had a great he's had a great little showing in his first few games. Um, leads well, uh, marks above his head well, good strength um, and confident. He's got a little bit of, got a little bit of cockiness about him, which we we do love. Um, so he's obviously coming in to to cover for Dixon again, which he did pretty well um, in those games before. So. Um, it'll be good to see see what he's kind of learnt, you know, over that time. He's had a few weeks out now, and he's coming back into the system. It'll be interesting to see what the big big number thirty's learnt, and and how, you know if there's any kind of improvements we can already see to his game in such a short time. But um, you know, he's he certainly gives the opposition defense something to talk about because he or think about because you know he he's at, his kicking's probably the one part of his game that lets him down but he's certainly going to get his hands on it if you don't if you don't watch him carefully which obviously opens up opportunities as well for the rest of the forward line which is what you you want your forward line to do you don't want it to be so singularly focused that the defense doesn't have much to worry about um you know we've got Todd Marshall down there and 
Obviously, uh, Finlayson gets around down there as well, and all and the small the you know, cavalcade of smalls that can make it make a difference there as well. So, um, it's an interesting selection. It's still a pretty strong team. It's, it is obviously the the backline is where your worry is, um, particularly against the tall timber of um, of the of the Blues. But um, yeah, it would be interesting to see where they go with the emergencies. Um, I assume Sam Hayes is just in, as I started saying before. I assume he's in there just in case Lysett pulls up. Um, a little lame, maybe just before the game, and kind of similarly to, to last time around, they just have to make a last-second change. Hayes is there just in case, uh, but I, I would I would hope it's Brian Burton. Obviously, I think with his his caliber as a player, you know, he's to me he's you know towards the. I don't think he'll ever be an All Australian, but he's he's that caliber of player in the sense that he's very he's that talented and and can provide that much to a team. So. To have him sitting on the sitting in the emergencies, you just expect him to be the sub because he's the kind of guy that can come in and he's versatile. Um, similar to the likes of Francis Evans, you can play, you know, or you know, back back uh, was it a couple of years ago when he had Sam Mays, he just kind of threw him wherever you needed, and Burton can play that, but as at a high high level. Um, so the the team news for the the uh, the Blues, I was about to say the D's for some reason, I don't know why. Um, but Tom De, uh, Tom De Koenig's back in, which uh, so it's been an interesting side story for them. Uh, this year, uh, so he's come back into the ruck. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. It could be one of those games that's, uh, you know, their ruck hasn't been settled this year. I don't think. Um, certainly, Deconi coming back in. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if Lysa is fit. I hope he is fit. Um, I expect him to have a decent game in there. Um, but yeah, the the real key for me is um, you know watching how this. How this uh, forward line um, matches up with our kind of patched up defense again. Um, the likes of Kerno and Mackay can work really well together. I don't, you know, they've their issues this year haven't been so much. Uh, it's been, you know, getting production down to them and 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 you know, kind of issues like that. So, but they have been playing better over the past few weeks. And likes of Cripps and Walsh finding a bit more of the ball and 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 finding it and using it better and and they're just overall playing. You know, getting the ball through to their forward line better again. So it's a t- it's one of those ones that this game kind of worries me as much as I was worried about Geelong a few weeks ago with the tall timber down there and um, and particularly Mackenzie out. I think that makes a big a big big um, miss for us in how our structure works down there because you just know that um, Alier feels better when Mackenzie's down there. I think and I think when Mackenzie went out is when Alier was um, had a few more battles that didn't go, always go his way against. Um, Against uh, Levi Casbolt last week, so it's going to be an interesting one. I, I, I am, I do have a bit of worry worries about this game, but um, you know, I've got to be confident as well and and expect that we've been playing such good footy and we've found ourselves in some pretty tough situations all the way through this winning streak and found ways to win. So I'm confident, but I'm wary. Um, if that makes any any lick of sense to you, that's where I'm at. I, I'm confident in this team and their ability to fight their way through any kind of situation because we've seen them do win some pretty tough games along the journey here this year and in every different kind of way um, against some pretty damn good footy sides. I think I saw this week against the current top eight, our record is eight and one. Um, and we, if the math is confusing, I think it's is one of those teams. Is it the Bulldogs are in the top eight right now? If they are, they we've beaten them twice. So that's kind of where the the math and there's some might be someone else. I can't remember, but that's that's kind of how that's working. Um, oh, Essendon, I think it's Essendon. We've beaten them twice. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think we've beaten Essendon and Bulldogs twice. Eight and one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you can figure it out yourself. Anyway, so that kind of shows that we've um, had a pretty good year in winning games, and a lot of those games have been close, um, close games that we've had to you know win from behind after the siren. Uh, either way, if it's defending on the line on the siren or trying to kick one after the siren, I've done both, and uh, you know that's that kind of is where my confidence comes from. Despite my worries about this game, uh, the confidence comes from this team has found ways to win in every kind of different way, and particularly Marvel Stadiums, and they'll have a bit of confidence going down in Marvel as well, I think. Um, even though they got the win against at the G uh, recently, and you know, in that last gasp behind the, after the Siren winner, um, I think they, you know, and that's going to build them with confidence going into the September, uh, as we, we will have to go there at some point if we are going to go the whole way. Um, there is, uh, there is, a, 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 I think, a little bit of a home comforts at Marvel at this point, which does help a little bit. I think our game against uh, Carlton last year, where we were really shit, and we had a really shit first half, and then we almost came back and won, kind of shows that, uh, you know, we kind of just, there's got to be a little bit of confidence from that, as well as the fact that that game was at, at, the, at the G, and this one's at Marvel as well, so can't draw too many parallels with that, really, um, and I don't even know why I tried, um, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there's, there's going to be a nice, interesting matchup. Obviously, it's probably... Connor Rosie versus Sam Walsh for the first time since Connor Rosie has been Connor Rosie, uh, and then obviously the likes of Crips and you know, you know Walsh versus Rosie and, and Crips versus Butters and I don't know Chera versus Wines and, and and go down the list. You know, there's a, there's a, some some big uh, some big kind of midfield battles that are going to be happening and 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 two two powerful midfields really so it's going to be it's going to be a fun one um i do expect i think um i fucking think mitch mitch mcgovern's shit to be honest so uh i'm hoping that we can have a decent day out down forward but it's all going to matter it's all going to be predicated by us getting the ball down there so um it's going to be midfield control um good good pressure and and stuff like that because i think that's when the blues do fall over is if we if we can bring the pressure and the high intensity that we've had this year at our best, I just don't think Blues can match that because they haven't. They don't have that consistency in their game and their structures and all that stuff to deal with that. So I just, I think it's just gonna, it's gonna be one of those games that we're gonna have to come out from the start with that kind of, and and you know, at least matching where they're at at the start and then and wear them down because I just don't think they can run with us for four quarters if we're playing that kind of footy that we've shown at times this year where we run out the second halves pretty pretty damn well. Um, you know, Hawthorne aside, but we, we demolished him in the first half. So either way, one good half of footy at, at our best. Um, and the other half just matching, you know, maybe getting into the trench. You know, sometimes you just get, have to get into the trench warfare a little bit with another team uh, for a quarter or two. If we can just match them and then and then have a quarter or two of the, that high-intensity high footy, then we'll blow them out. We'll, we'll be fine. But saying that, they're a team that's had some good form over the past few weeks. They're starting to find that form again, and they're and they're fighting for their lives. This team has been media scrutiny central for twenty plus years, and and over the past few years, when they've been meant to be, you know, their baggers are back, you know, lids off, all that stuff that was going on last year, and then their spectacular collapse after that. You know, this is a team that's, um, you know, you know, you you beware the wounded, you know, the wounded, um, pre- you know, predator kind of thing. So. You know they've got some things to fight for, and 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 they're going to be fighting hard tooth and nail. So um, they want to worry about, but just my personal belief is that our best can best can beat them. But some, you know, 
hopefully we don't have a shit game in us again for the rest of the year but you know one of it could be coming up as well and that you know that's where that's where this one could be a struggle is if we do just not quite get it together there's a lot of changes to the side as well which can make it interesting as far as the cohesiveness of our of our side so um, whereas they're pretty I think apart from de Koenig, uh being in and uh, I think George Hewitt's just in the 22 rather than being a sub they're kind of pretty pretty well unchanged from last week so certainly we're the team coming in with a lot of changes which can sometimes shake the, shake the tree a little bit as far as the con- consistency goes so you know there's some things to look out for in this one and I'm not certainly um, overly confident but I'm just co- quietly confident whilst also being quite rare, wary if that makes any sense at all who who the fuck knows I'm stressed by the streak and uh, I need to stop recording now so can the pair uh, if you're listening still um, I'm sorry uh, but also if you're looking um, to go to the Collingwood match next week I'll get those posted on the Twitter and, and usually I post them on Twitter and give it a little bit of time if they don't get picked up straight away i'll put them in the instagram story as well um i mean it's just it's just dm me if you know that they're going to be out there you just send me a dm straight away if you want uh, i'm not sure what price i'll put on them yet i think it's sold out to the public at this point so it's going to be a bumper crowd for that collingwood game um i might try to look for a hundred dollars to the finlayson fund for this one just because it's one of the premium matchups um that might be what I look for. So, you know, if you're listening and you and you want to go to the game but don't have tickets and you're willing to drop $100 on a couple of tickets in a good spot, they're worth $100 each um, if you buy them on buy them in single game sales. So you're basically getting two tickets for half price if you buy these ones um, in a good spot in Bay 140. So it's just kind of just a few bays away from the hill there. It's not rowdy or anything because it's, it's a little ways away, but it's good view there and kind of near the hill there you get a bit of that atmosphere and then you get obviously the outer atmosphere as well kind of just 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 be um just near the 50 meter mark there if you haven't seen the pictures i posted before so yeah if you're looking to go to the game don't have tickets get in touch in the dms either on instagram or, or instagram or uh twitter and feel free to you know you can reply to a tweet and say hey i've sent your dm or comment on an instagram post and say hey i've sent your dm because sometimes they go into you know weird message request folders um, i try to check them all but sometimes i don't see them straight away if they're not immediately being pushed to me in the main folders so yeah that's about it i'm fucking knackered i gotta go i man i mean if you're still listening fuck it i'll chat we've we've had a another busy week here we went to a screening on monday night um for a movie that i cannot say what it was we had to sign non-disclosure agreements it doesn't come out until september so i can't say what movie it was it's like a test screening thing where you do little surveys at the end of what you thought of the film and how it's come together it's um yeah can't say anything more than that though non-disclosure agreements and then um tuesday tuesday we had a quiet night at home then wednesday we uh and this is a little adelaide adjacent thing um there's a new horror movie coming out that anyone that's a movie fan will know of um talk to me that's made by the director uh, the youtubers racker racker from adelaide Denny and Michael Philippou, they did that great like video. That I didn't even realize it was them until I started looking into them and I was going to see this movie and realized it was them. I've seen this video so many times though, the one where it's like the guys that start playing Star Wars in the fucking Kmart. It's it's the Westlake Shopping Center as well. You can see Amy Stadium in the background still there when it was standing in one part of the video. And just incredible special effects in this video where they're getting chased by security and having a lightsaber battle. Um... But they've made an incredible horror movie. Uh, got picked up by A24 from Sundance. Um, so it just shows, like, if you don't know movies, A24 is one of the kind of premium kind of genre art art film 
stu- uh, pr- um, companies at the moment that distributes some great films. Like they've done like you know Ariaster's films, and uh, I think they did Eggers, uh, The Witch, and The Lighthouse, and all that stuff as well. Um, and yeah, obviously the Ariaster films and and other. I'm, I'm blanking right now. Other great films. Those are just the two that are in my head because I'm a horror hound. But it's talk to me is fantastic. It's it's made in Adelaide set and you don't actually get really an idea of setting unless you know like I saw the Metro logo on one of the buses at one point and stuff like that it's kind of like um, if you've seen the Babadook um, kind of you know it's set in Australia and if you know they're from it's made in Adelaide then you know it's Adelaide but you don't there's nothing that's particularly Adelaide apart from Pirate Life beer cans are in it at one point I wore a Pirate Life shirt to the screening down here in Santa Monica and met them briefly after the screening and they were pretty they, once they heard my accent they are like oh wait you you from Adelaide? I, I mentioned something about Port Wakefield because we were talking about urban legends, and they were just like, "Oh, wait, you're from Adelaide?" And they were, I was like, "Yeah, I got the Pirate Life shirt," and they're like, "Oh, sick, dude!" And little, little quick hugs and stuff, and they were just stoked that someone from Adelaide was all the way over here for a sold out screening, advanced screening of the movie. So, really cool. Um, so that was Wednesday night. Uh, highly recommend you go see that. If you, I mean, if you're not into horror movies and you don't like horror movies, you're probably not going to get much out of it. But if you're into horror movies and particularly highly well-made horror movies it's not those schlock and gore it's um, a really well-made horror drama um just i can't recommend it enough um and then last night we attempted to go to the driving range that didn't happen because the driving range was packed out which doesn't usually happen so we kind of went and got some um you know bubble tea and uh hung out for a bit then tonight i'm heading to um some minor league baseball locally here again so i'm going to be just like Essendon, so maybe that's a maybe that's a good sign, because the Essendon game I went to minor league baseball got absolutely blitzed out of my mind and came home and watched the rest of the game drunk. So that might be happening again tonight. Though I'm not going to be drinking as much whiskey tonight. That's not happening. Refusing that. Just going to stick to the beers. So I'll be ticking along nicely when I get back for the for the Colton game anyway. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a busy week. That's why I'm only getting to these later in the week because it's just a lot of other things. And I'm working some little things. I'm trying to get um, a little store of stuff, um, just little trinkets again up and going for people to be, if they want to buy some design that's got a Port Adelaide design that isn't from the shop um, that I've worked on. It'll be up in a couple of weeks. I'm just waiting for some samples to come in to make sure because it's all going to be print to order stuff that's directly to you. It doesn't come from me because it's what helps me be able to do it while I'm not in the in the same country uh, so I'm just trying it's a bit of a process to figure out because I want to make sure the quality is decent obviously <laughs> so um, which means ordering samples and making sure it comes out the way I want it before I put it up in the store so that's kind of been happening and then there's other other all sorts of stuff happening and working a lot of things so yeah anyway thank you for listening I'm knackered I'm going to take a nap before I go and drink bulk beers at this baseball game so count the pair let's get the wind tonight